Hello, this is your host, Sunita Bagri. I am the founder of the Every Teacher Matters Project. Welcome to the Every Teacher Matters Network podcast. Each podcast has a core focus around the well-being of our teachers, school leaders and educational staff. The Teach Well Alliance works proudly in partnership with the Every Teacher Matters Network to raise awareness of well-being and mental health for our teachers and school staff. We're so pleased that you're able to join us on today's podcast. And hello and welcome to this episode of the Every Teacher Matters Network podcast. Well, I'm very excited about our guest today, who is Connie Morris, a serving teacher joining me live from the United States of America today, working as a teacher in Ohio. We have a common love of mindfulness, which is what connected Connie and I together. We shared a conversation last year as she um, sort of discovered the work that I was doing. And actually, in our conversation, we realised how much mindfulness has uh, significantly impacted both of our lives and the work that we do with the adults and the children. Um, Mindfulness for me, which is the focus of today's podcast, really has become one of my top tools in managing, not only managing my well-being, but in evolving myself as a person. And it's the attitudes of mindfulness personally that have acted as a constant sort of source of support for me, um, as well as a guide to being a better me, to understanding myself more, to paying more attention to myself, noticing what's going on around me and inside of me, noticing the things that I was too busy, you know, um, certainly in my role as head teacher, helping me to notice those things, to get off the hamster wheel and take time for myself, to be grateful, to appreciate, to enjoy this existence that we have been blessed with. And I'd like to take this opportunity to share with the the listeners that very sadly and tragically, I lost my mum to COVID two weeks ago on the 3rd of January. And again, if it were not for mindfulness and the attitudes of mindfulness, um, I don't know where I would be in this very lonely, difficult arena of uh, bereavement, grief and loss and, and using mindfulness to be able to navigate my way through these these emotional tidal waves has been very, very helpful. The Every Teacher Matters Network is, you know, an opportunity for educators to trial a range of well-being strategies, to understand what they are, how they may benefit us in the very challenging work that we do as teachers and senior leaders. And mindfulness is something that, you know, I dip into all the time. Um, So today I warmly welcome Connie Morris, who shares this love of mindfulness and is going to talk to us listeners about how it's benefited not only her personally, but her school community, the children, the parents and the teachers. So a very warm welcome to you, Connie. Thank you. And I am so happy to be here. I'm glad that our paths crossed because I just love um, hoping to share, as you said, uh, taking the experience of the personal experience of mindfulness to others that have a very hard job 
and being able to share that then with families and students to, it just grows. It just spreads through our community and it's wonderful what you do. And I am very happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you, Connie. It really is a, a pleasure. And, you know, when we spoke before, um, there was a, a real commonality there that we both love and share. And it really is my pleasure uh, to have you on as a guest today and, and share the work that you're doing with our listeners. So just start off, just tell us about yourself. Uh, I started in teaching a few years ago. I've had 25 plus years of experience in the classroom. I've had um, an opportunity to serve as a director, and I presently am in a elementary school that has mindfulness offered to the students throughout the week. It is considered a specials class, so they come to me for it. Um, how I got here was I started in elementary school with the younger children 25 years ago and then around 10 years ago because of a job change in the district that I worked in I went back for my master's in intervention and the more I studied the more I learned the idea of mindfulness and social emotional learning working with students to that have had trauma that have had uh, experiences where maybe, you know, the social development, um, we were working specifically on that. So the mindfulness became the foundation for, for I think, what I started doing. And the more I learned, you know, through children's yoga and mindfulness classes and the experience of bringing it into the classroom, the more parents and teachers were asking me, about how to do this either at home or in their classroom. So I have developed a class for teachers and recently one that is going into the home, uh, especially now, and um, just on how to make it as part of your day, more at the go-to, you're retraining your brain, you're going to make those connections to the positive, maybe a little bit more out of practice and, and new habits being formed. So the, what I work on is the curriculum to do this in a very natural way and to help uh, students and families and teachers on just the behavior because I know our stress as teachers and parents is very, <laughs> very closely aligned with what is going on in our lives and the stress of our classroom or our home. So um, taking those things all into account. When I started my job at this school and was focusing more on my business, I was diagnosed, actually it was all in the same week. I had finished my master's program and started this job and I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Uh, and that first year, I learned an awful lot. It is a journey I am grateful for. As a three-year survivor, I can, I can say that. It was an important experience that taught me how important my self-care is. Yeah. That has to be part of my day every day. I know that this is true with everyone as far as their personal health. You know, if we don't take time for us, 
something's going to suffer. Yeah. It also um, taught me, and I think you talked about this a little bit, um, what we have control over mm-hmm. and what we need just to be aware of and, and not be judgmental of, just to be aware of it. And also how important that buy-in of mindfulness and modeling is for teachers and where that can cause more stress <laughs> to not be stressed. Uh, if we apply the mindfulness, if we find ways to take time for ourselves, then we are better serving our, our students. It shouldn't make us feel guilty. Mm-hmm. It should be um, a necessity really with time given to us to do that. But if it's not given, then we, we need to find a way to carve it out and take it during our day. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Connie, before we sort of talk about budding yoga in terms of what you do with the children, can you share with the listeners what practical things you've sort of uh, taught your school colleagues, you know, colleagues at school and the teachers in, in terms of you, you talked about stress there and managing that. And then, you know, that was intertwined with, you know, your personal experience of breast cancer and actually knowing that, you know, your, your commitment to yourself in self-care and that self-preservation, you know, rules above all and everything. And, and sadly, you know, we as teachers, so many of us have learned that the hard way. And for so many, it's either resulted in a, a health scare, you know, certainly like the one that you described and, and experienced personally, but also for some just complete burnout where actually they, they just leave. So one of the core aims of the Every Teacher Matters Network, again, is to provide this range of, you know, well-being sort of uh, strategies and resources because we are all different and we all respond differently to things. Um, and what we like is different. But, you know, mindfulness has a very heavy evidence base there, you know, to, to say it works. And that's why I'm very, very committed to it. But what, from your experience, are practical things that teachers can do in the classroom? I I think the first thing is always understanding and being able to explain that it is evidence-based. It is based in science. So it's not something that, you know, if we're doing it in the classroom, um, it it is based in science. It is gonna help anybody we touch. Now, as far as taking time for yourselves, and I think that's the first thing uh, that needs to be said for teachers. And I know that's the hardest thing. I, I, you know, in the States, I think uh, the poll before COVID was saying that half of public school teachers have considered leaving the profession in the next few years. Um, The other statistic they're saying is 55% of all teachers don't want their own children to go into teaching. And from a personal experience, my daughter did go into teaching and she felt the burnout in five years. She has a love of teaching and she is now using it with uh, adults in coaching and their businesses. So she's taking that love, that passion, and put it somewhere where she wasn't going to burn out. And uh, so I think that's the first thing. We, we either are going to burn out or, or make ourselves sick. I, there's a quote that's going around and it's during COVID. Um, and it, it's meant to make us feel better. 
It says, I watch you support each other through a difficult year and work tirelessly towards your goal. And this is We Are Teachers. And it was, you know, on Facebook. And, and I love it. But I think that is the type of statement, if you think of it, teachers, you're tirelessly, tirelessly working, innovating, creating for your students. That's an expectation. We all have it for ourselves, but public opinion also has it. The word tirelessly means to show great effort and energy, which we all do. But it also, if you think about it, means that you're not growing tired of it, and we are. So there's this expectation, I think, that we have to live up to. If we ask our administrators for help, we feel weak. We feel like we might not be in control of a situation. So it's hard for us to kind of break through those expectations and say, I need time. And I think the best way of doing it is having it integrated mindfulness throughout your day. So I, when I teach this with teachers, I say AM, midday, and PM. If that's all you can focus Focus on to begin with. That's perfect. Before you wake up, what is your alarm set to? I know that my alarm used to be that buzzing. There was, if I wanted to wake up stressed, that was it. So maybe change the alarm. And then take a few minutes before you jump out of bed. Give yourself maybe five minutes to set a snooze button if, it, if you're afraid to go back to sleep, but give yourself five minutes before you get up and get right into that family work mode that you have to have everybody ready and you have to be out the door and, you know, everybody, you have all that pressure immediately. So to take a few minutes, just lay there, take in breaths and have your brain have a relaxed sense just to stand up. And then, of course, to allow time for you to um, have a few mindful movements. As soon as you get to work, we go right into the work, <clears throat> the work mode and trying to set up the classroom. And those things are all very necessary, obviously. But why not have the lights dim, maybe play some music, shut the door right before the kids come in and take a few deep breaths just for you. And then open the door and get ready. So that's your morning. Just change a little something to begin with. At lunch, same. I know that can be a very, you know, busy time. But try to be present with your meal. Try to, even if you're with the kids, try to make it relaxing and be present and be aware of your food and, and uh, be grateful for that time. And again, dim the lights, music if you can, whatever works. And then I think, again, the very important part of the day is when you put your head on that pillow. As parents and teachers, we will, I think, typically replay a bad moment and wonder how it got there and how we let it get there or what we could do differently. And those are all good things to look at, but not maybe at the end of the day, not when your head hits the pillow. So again, take a few moments for yourself and relax at the end of the day. And when we start building these new little habits in, then just like we say to the, the kids, if we practice something, then we're retraining our brain. We're, 
with enough practice, it's going to be an automatic. And hopefully, you know, mindfulness helps for personal growth and a growth mindset, but it in a positive outlook. But we're not going to be perfect. And that's another thing. Some of the people I've worked with when we're doing the quiet breaths and their thoughts, they're like, so it's okay if I think of something that's bad. And I'm like, there is no such thing as something bad when you're thinking. Be aware of it. Breathe it out so that you're just aware of your body. There shouldn't be that judgmental when you're trying to relax. It needs to be positive. Yeah. And redirect your thoughts into a positive outlook and a present outlook instead of thinking, I will do better tomorrow. You know, just say, I'm going to do great tomorrow. Make it a positive statement. And then I'm doing great right now, like right this very moment because of that self-reflection. So bring it to the positive and then the present as well. And that will become more of a mindset. So I think those little things, beginning the little things for our personal um, life, then it can be integrated throughout the day and in the classroom. Oh, you described that beautifully. You, you really, um, I felt like the, um, the vivid sort of description there made me feel like I was a teacher doing those things <laughs> and, and, you know, experiencing and chunking those different segments of the day. And what you said there is very much about prevention and not reaction. And that's exactly what mindfulness does when, as you say, it's the art of practice, creating those new habits, as you describe, because it's not a quick fix. It's not a magic, you know, it's not a magic solution. It is something that we have to, it's an, an attitude uh, and a habit that we, we commit to adopting. But like anything that takes practice, but I really, I really like those, those segments of the day and actually using those preventative strategies because we, we don't get taught to do that. We don't get taught at teacher training college. We don't get taught by, you know, our, our leaders in schools. So, yeah, where do we find that? And what, what I know and what you described there was really coming strong at me was how mindfulness develop self-awareness and self-awareness is is king you know that is is absolute master isn't it in terms of navigating your way through through any challenge at school that self-awareness so that was that was wonderful Connie can I ask in terms of you know a, a little bit more sort of asking you around your personal challenges you know what's been your your biggest personal challenge and whether that's um you know we're, we're whole, you know, we're whole people, aren't we? We're not, we don't, we shouldn't separate our professional and personal self. We do, of course, but, you know, actually it's, it's a lot healthier for us to remain integrated. But what's been like your biggest challenge, whether that's been, you know, work-related or, or life-related? Um, and, and how did you overcome it? And did mindfulness play a part? My biggest challenge, I think, uh, has been more recent uh, since since the breast cancer I definitely have a different outlook on life so I think through mindfulness there is um, definitely the ability to overcome it and I will go back to expectations and as an experienced teacher um, things have changed 
they've certainly changed uh, the passion that is so important to teachers. Um, I think we're being asked to do more with less and uh, being able to feel as though um, that we're valued and appreciated is incredibly important. Um, with all the public awareness and opinion, oh, the, the um, opinion being aware of that, which wasn't necessarily true when I started, I, I feel as though my expectations of what I should be doing, always doing more, um, you know, if someone needs somebody to volunteer, I'll, I'll do it. And, and since um, going through, you know, an illness, you think, wait, my time is valuable too. And I think the mindfulness has helped me overcome some of those expectations to say that it's okay to say, I hate to say you first, because that, again, my, I feel like there's an expectation that I, that's selfish and I should not say that. So if it makes teachers feel better, again, it's that awareness. You too is every bit as important. Um, so I think the mindfulness has helped me to get to the you too. It's okay to say, I'm not, I'm not going to do that on the weekend because I need to exercise on the weekend. That is a need of mine. And if I give you more time, then I won't be able to do that. So being able to say you too, um, mindfulness has helped me realize that I'm not being selfish. I'm not being a bad teacher. I'm not being a bad parent. I'm not, I'm taking care of myself. And I hope my own children and my family uh, can say, you know, the same thing. You t you're important too, and it's okay. It doesn't have to be first if that makes you feel like, you know, I'm putting myself first, but certainly at least carving some time out. And we have a little, um, not a worksheet, but a, like a, a handout that we work with um, teachers with, that, and, and we've shared it with Children, I think that's the beauty of this, is the more we help teachers understand this, the more we can help students and, and be kind of raised with it, which is amazing. Such a good life skill. But just think of the word care. So the C, making sure you have time to be centered. And that can be any mindfulness activity. You know, I call the staycations just to, um, you know, like the candles, dim the lights, take a bath, whatever, and think of yourself on the beach um, and use all five senses and be so immersed in that your brain, against science, uh, supports this. Your brain has the same benefits of going on a vacation. Now, of course, one is more fun than the other and lasts a longer time, but you can do that for three minutes a day. So center yourself either through the mindfulness or um, just grateful moments or stretching, journaling, anything like that. You're artistic for A, you know, being able to take a moment to um, really create cooking, art, dancing, whatever is the creation in you, the art. Um, and then R, R&R, &R, uh, 
<clears throat> doing a puzzle, taking a picnic, sitting under a tree, whatever is restful, and of course the sleep. And then the E, to me, after um, working with some of the best doctors in the world, I have always exercised, but I have, it has never been a you too statement. It's if I had time, if I got home from work soon enough, and 30 minutes of any kind of exercise, I think they told me decreases your chance 30% of illness. I mean, that's that's taking care of yourself. That's really important. Um, So whatever that looks like, and I'm not, you know, not a weightlifter, I'm not running marathons, but just, just taking care of yourself. And I've heard you say it before. Mindfulness is so personal. Um, What you choose, again, involves that awareness of what works for you. Uh, Dancing would make me very nerve, like very stressed. (laughs) It wouldn't be my go to. So you're, but I'm learning. So I have that growth mindset. But you know, what works for you? What do you love to do to calm yourself? Yeah. And if carving out the time means taking your family too, then that's another, that's perfect. That's a, that's a you too. And then, you know, you're doing multiple things, but just making sure you have the time to do that. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so I think, I think just um, trying to understand those expectations and then make them align with my priorities and keep uh, trying to balance that without feeling selfish. Yeah, that's, I love the acronym. I love the way that you explain that. I'll definitely add that to the description in the podcast as well so that we can get a really good um, overview of this conversation. But um, I'd like to just sort of talk to you a little bit more about the the commitment of well-being that teachers need to display in you know need to become an inherent sort of want need desire so that they can teach and impress upon our pupils our students um and that relationship. So I know in, in one of our previous conversations, we talked about, you know, and I, you know, I really believe this, that actually there is no pupil student well-being unless there is teacher well-being. So talk to us about budding yoga, the work that you do with the children, but actually how important it is for, in your case, where you work with the entire school community in terms of the parents and the teachers, because obviously that relationship and the impact, you know, the understanding of mindfulness has to be there from the teachers and the adults that are working with the children, unless, you know, they won't really be able to to in, enhance the benefits in the way, unless they're, they're using it themselves, which is why I focus so much of my work on teacher well-being but tell us about that sort of relationship and the importance of it well i think uh stress is contagious i think we we know that we can feel that in the classroom um and a smile is contagious so if we're knowing that as teachers um and we realize that maybe the class you're feeling the stress or you're personally feeling the stress to, to 
to model, to say out loud, I'm, you know what, I feel, and we have a, in the schools, we have a, a, a motion thermometer. So I'm feeling like this is where I am right now. And I, I'm choosing not to do that. So I need to figure out the tool I need right now to bring myself to a place, not that's good or bad, a place that I want to be. Because there are, you know, there's justified anger. There's, there's times to be sad. There, that all makes sense. Um, but on a personal level, wherever you are, do you feel okay with that? So we take a lot of time, and, and my students have had said to me, Miss Connie, do you need a deep breath? And I, you know, at first I'm like, what? But now I think I, I like that because there's that social awareness then. So you're moving into another social emotional learning aspect that says, here, here is a place that maybe I am, but I'm noticing someone else might need a moment. And, and what can I do to help that? So um, I think when we bring it into the classroom, there are so many activities that can be uh, just integrated throughout the day. And that's what we do. We just try to give. And the training, because again, professional development can be stressful, can it? I mean, how much more time do we need or have during the day. So my classes, um, especially when they're in person, it's easier to do our self-care. I mean, I add the same little neck massage that, that we offer in school to the teachers. And, you know, I've had high school students fall, you know, the, from 13 to 18 year olds fall asleep in the three minutes that they're doing uh, a resting pose. And I think, how much stress are these students experiencing that this moment is so relaxing to them that they're they're falling asleep? Um, so I, I think it's just very important that we're modeling, we're giving time for the students. And you know, dim your if you dim your classroom lights and put on soft music and allow them to just sit or find a comfortable resting spot. And you know, I use um, I use lotions and, and diff, a non-scent and, you know, make sure it's safe or if the child doesn't like a scent, you know, they get the uh, no scent first. But during these um, moments where I'm talking them, letting them experience uh, something um, and maybe offering to cross, you know, if they don't want to be touched, then to cross their hands over their chest while they're resting. Um, but the, the smell and the and the dimming lights it's just amazing what it does for them but what i have found is what it does for me mm. to see them calm and to feel calm myself just because of the moment is is perfect so we can build these moments into their day we line up in mountain that's what I teach, mountain pose, you know, just hands to the side, feet on the ground, taking three breaths, looking straight ahead, hands to something is perfect. But we talk about being aware of how you're feeling before you leave a class, when you enter a class. What is it about that class that maybe is causing you a little bit of anxiety or um, what are you looking forward to? Just being aware of how you're feeling in that line 
And then I always remind teachers to do the same thing because, you know, if we're getting anxious before class, they're experiencing that and they're, we're sharing that and to, you know, just model, take that, take that second to drop your shoulders and to take the breath and to see how you're feeling in that quiet moment gives them a chance to. So um, I just think it, it, I had a, a professor once not too long ago that said all of us as teachers should want to do such a good job that we're not needed anymore. Mm. And I think that's how I feel with mindfulness. I wish it was just part of their day so yeah. that I wouldn't be, but their questions are amazing. And, and it, it just to be able to, again, to teach that mindset and model that mindset is a very peaceful job during the day. So I think bringing it into the school, bringing into the home um, just helps everyone. I totally agree. It can, it can alleviate so much, doesn't it? If, if, if people would allow it and explore it, then it could alleviate so many of those common symptoms, you know, that, that that are commonly shared across the profession. But yeah, absolutely. absolutely right. That's wonderful. Thank you, Connie, in, in sharing that work that you do with the children and, and the relationship in, in tandem with the adults there. So on a final note, Connie, would you like to share um, anything in terms of, you know, where, how people can reach you, how they can find out more about the work that you do? Um, any other sort of advice that you'd give to teachers in, if we haven't covered it already? Absolutely. If we we could do a um, quick exercise, it's called take three, and it should only last three minutes, but I can make it last much less. <laughs> but just this is something we do all the time. And I feel like it's a wonderful thing for teachers just to just say, we're all going to take three. And it's really when a teacher needs it. I think it's amazing because yeah. in taking three, the first minute, uh, you think of the ABC of mindfulness. So you have that um, awareness, the breath, and centering. So the first minute, uh, it's not necessarily in order. The first minute is breath. So just to find a quiet place and just close your eyes now and just take a few deep breaths in through your nose and out your mouth. Just being aware of that breath and the awareness that you're grateful for your breath. And you're just taking a minute just to slow down. And then the second minute is awareness. So just scanning your body from the top of your head down through your feet. Where is the stress resting? And just releasing it with your breath. And just being, you know, your shoulders are dropped, your face isn't, you know, showing any muscles, the muscles moving, everything's relaxed, your eyes, you're sitting comfortably all the way down to your toes. And sometimes the visualization of just moving from the head all the way down to the toes, you can actually visualize you're moving the stress right out through the bottom of your feet. And then the last minute is centering. And this is what I really enjoy um, working with teachers and their families and students is giving them one thing to think about so that they don't feel like that um, mindfulness is uh, difficult, like they have to enter, em- empty their mind and just sit quietly, but just 
think of something you're grateful for. Think of two or three things you're grateful for. And at the end of it, we're all going to share just one word, you know, just one word of what we're grateful for. And everyone can just think of that one word. And then at the end of it, we always share our one word, whatever it is, if it's how are you feeling or, um, you know, what was something you were proud of this weekend or whatever, just one word. And then whatever group it is, like a teacher friend or whatever, share your one word with me after that. And, and you just share that word and then you become aware again of what's going on in other people's lives. And it, it, it's your moment too. So the take three is amazing um, and just such a great tool. But yes, I, I love having um, the connection. It's amazing, you know, connecting with like-minded people and feeling as though that we're going to keep our most important workers, teachers um, fueled and able to keep their passion and their uh, ability to reach students like, you know, head on, you know, all in and, and, you know, there are times in life where that's much harder than others and not to be judgmental of that, especially right now yeah. through COVID. So yes, I have a website, buddingyoga.com and we have a um, Facebook page with budding yoga, but we also have a group page. So you have to, you know, join, but it's for parents, teachers, and coaches just to bring people together, um, let people know, uh, you know, ideas that work or, you know, just support and to be able to share those ideas. And uh, of course, our YouTube channel that we have some um, movement yoga and uh, different ways to teach it um, presented and in the lessons. So they're, they're typically videos for students. There are a couple for teachers, but, uh, you know, the benefit to the teacher doing it alongside, of course, is modeling and showing buy-in, and then you're reaping the benefits as well. So um, practicing these things together and uh, never, you know, the, the kids can become co-creators. You don't have to be good, uh, a good yoga teacher to do this at all. It's just the movement, knowing that this is good for their health and your health. So, yeah. That's wonderful. That was absolutely wonderful. The, the take three, very, very powerful. And, and can, so much can be achieved in just a few minutes. Yes. <laughs> Incredible. And their one word uh, for students, you know, when you start sharing stories, it can be difficult and and uh, almost too maybe too much of a share for some, or they don't want to share. Mm. And I always tell them the word doesn't have to be private. Like you don't have to be maybe that word you don't want to say out loud. Just think of another word. Like it's totally in your control. Um, but being able to kind of concentrate your thoughts, being aware of it. So yeah, we love that. It's a fun one. Really powerful. Thank you for taking our listeners through that and explaining that and giving them the opportunity to just experience the power of mindfulness in, in a brief few moments. Thank you, Connie. Connie, thank you so much for joining us today, for talking to us from the heart about 
you know, mindfulness, the power of it and, and being candid, which is, you know, what we, we really sort of pride ourselves on in these conversations. And I would encourage the listeners, if you would like to connect with Connie, to visit her Facebook page, to contact her via her website and to be inspired around mindfulness, because I certainly feel, you know, really reconnected in this conversation again. So thank you very much. If you want to know any more information, uh, then please contact uh, me at sanitabagri.com or visit the Every Teacher Matters Project website. I look forward to speaking to you again. Thank you and goodbye. I do hope you enjoyed listening to today's Every Teacher Matters conversation. It is our mission to be the voice of our amazing school staff. You can find out more by visiting everyteachermattersproject.com or contacting me directly at contact at Thanks for listening.